Welcome to episode number 46 of the Boxing One Podcast. This is John Richards, a.k.a. J. Rich, and I'm here with the homie C-Lass. What's up, Chris, man? Uh, what up, homie? Yeah, what's happening? What's happening? So look, man, this is, uh, wow, this has been a pretty significantly heavy weekend. And um, we couldn't start the podcast without talking about something that a lot of people have been talking about recently and processing as we're shooting this just one day ago in Sutherland Springs, Texas, right outside of San Antonio, young man walking to a Baptist church there in a very small community and open fire with an assault rifle. And as of today, the death toll is around 26 people and the folks range in age from 77 years old to 17 months old. Uh, the young man was dressed in all black, wearing these this ballistic vest. Uh, there are 10 people still in critical condition today. And um, we recently found out that the people uh, among the dead was uh, the pastor's daughter. And the pastor himself wasn't actually in town this weekend. Very, very disheartening, heartbreaking story, um, to say the least. Uh, we learned a little bit about the shooter today and and the fact that he was court-martialed um was an air force member um and served a short sentence and got out and this is where he found himself yesterday uh, on the precipice of a church community worshiping jesus um he stepped in and decided to litter the entire sanctuary with bullets and we learned that about 4% of the population was killed in the shooting. Um, as we go through all of these facts, it's just fact after fact that just has a lot of people asking this one question, right? Uh, where was God when this was happening? Why would God allow someone to walk into a church and shoot and kill Christians, um, people who follow the way of Jesus? Like, where is God in all of this? And these are very real questions that some people are asking right now. And I think uh, something that we want to be able to do on this podcast as we en engage culture uh, with the cross is to be able to help people process this. So, so Chris, I want to uh, just kind of touch base with you, man, and ask you, how would you, if you were sitting down talking to a person who um, is either exploring the faith or someone who is really just not really feeling Christianity, how would you um, sit down and talk with that person and process this incident with them when they have that question? Where was God when all this is happening? Yeah. So Jay Rich, uh, this is, this is tough. And so one thing like I try to do personally, and I try to counsel other people who are meeting with people who are exploring the faith or questioning the faith is like, don't hide from tough questions. And don't be afraid to say you don't know. Some things just don't tidy up nice in a like nice little theological box, no matter how robust your theology may be. There's there's times where you just have to say, like, hey, like I don't know the answer in this situation. In this situation, I would say uh, some things that I might say and try to make sure we had great compassion while communicating this for the lives of loved ones, we don't want them to just be chess pieces uh, in a theological argument, right? But we look at the cross, not only as like God's expression of both like his justice and his mercy, 
towards us, right? But we also look at that as a picture of the God who can use evil for good. And so um, that is a paradigm we see in scripture uh, all the way back in Genesis, um, where what happened, like God first proclamation of the gospel is in the midst of evil. In Genesis 50, 20, uh, Joseph recognizes that um, God's sovereign providential hand had caused a lot of his pain and suffering in order that at the end of the day, he would be able to redeem his family and save his family uh, through those exact circumstances. And he even tells his brothers like, hey, you meant this for evil, but God meant this for good. And so uh, principally we would say that um, God allows no evil that he can't redeem for good as a principle that we see uh, in scripture. Uh, the other thing we see is that there's a real enemy that we have who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And yet we see God's restraining hand. And um, biblically, we would look at the book of Job and God saying on many occasions to Satan, this but no more. And so we see like God's restraining hand. And that's what we don't have um, pictures of often on this side of eternity is just how much evil God restrains, how many planes really would have flown into buildings on 9-11 if God had not restrained hands? How many people would have really died in Las Vegas? How many people would have really died in that church? How many people would have really died in the church in Charleston, South Carolina? And yet we also realize that um, God's restraining hand on just how bad evils gets may not be comforting to people in that moment. So. That's probably where I would go, Jay Rich. What about you? Yeah. So the problem of evil is one of those topics or issues that is really a huge stumbling block for a lot of people. Things like this happen and people naturally move towards how can a benevolent God um, allow something like this to happen? And as Christians, we really have to wrestle with that question. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we have that same questions from time to time when we see uh, bad things happen to good people and try to figure out how that works in the economy of God as kingdom citizens. And I think uh, today I, I did a devotional with our staff talking about Jesus's words in the farewell discourse where he he works through his closing parting remarks to the disciples, knowing that they're about to be persecuted. Uh, most of them are about to be martyred for their faith and and trying to figure out how can I comfort them in the midst of all of this? And he says this, he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, this is pre-cross, before he goes to the cross and tells them this in the midst of their confusion, I have overcome the world, which leads to the question, like, how have you overcome the world before you've gone to the cross? Um, obviously, we know the scripture tells us that, that Jesus is one alpha and omega and two, uh, God ordained for him to be crucified, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. 
So God's redemptive plan before the world was founded on its axis uh, was going to be to send his son on our behalf to die for our sins so that we could experience life eternal in his presence. That's the essence of the gospel message. And, and Jesus here is kind of encapsulating that in um, John 16, where he says, hey, guys, I have overcome the world. You're going to have some trouble in this world. Uh, things aren't going to be rosy. There is no prosperity gospel in my gospel. Um, everything is not going to be great in your life, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I believe that many of the people in that room on that day and many of the people who are mourning, who know that those people were believers, take hope in those words. So the question I have and the and kind of the conversation I have with folks who aren't necessarily believers is, hey, what do you hang your hopes on in the midst of this? Like, how do you get through this pain apart from um, someone who can not only uh, take away the pain, but can relate to your pain? And that is the Christian message. Um, so I probably would sit down and just kind of walk through, hey, this isn't some out there God who's standing out there in the distance trying to make humans bow down to his uh, wishes and commands. He's a benevolent God who loves us. And even in that love, sometimes there are some things that we're not going to understand in this life, in this world. And like you said, we're not going to have all the answers. I cannot answer every question that someone has, but I do have this hope that I hang my hope on is that Jesus himself as a historical figure came and died on my behalf for my sins to redeem me and to bring me into life everlasting. That's where I choose to hang my hope. And that's where I bring people to when they talk about situations like this. Good stuff, man. So um, continue prayers with the families, man. I can't even imagine a 17 month old just lost their life. Um, because of this, like this isn't, and we talked about this before, this isn't a time for us to to talk about politics or gun control or anything else. All those things have their time and their place. Um, but we definitely need the gospel now more than ever, um, even with all the questions. So, Chris, the past couple of weeks, man, there's been a trending hashtag on social media that has really been visceral just to see some of the stories. And if for the listeners, if you have not seen this hashtag, I would encourage you to um, prepare yourself first and then go um, in and search the hashtag me too. Um, there have been very, a, a good amount of women who have stepped forward to kind of tell their stories of one, sexual harassment or um, someone who they may have been close to making sexual advances towards them or sexually assaulting or abusing them. And this past week, there was a very public figure in the sports world who actually decided to share her story. And that's uh, Brianna Stewart, who plays for the Seattle Storm, right? Yes, but probably is still better known at this point as Star of Stars, like probably one of the Mount Rushmore players for UConn women's basketball program. Absolutely. Hands down, hands down. So she tells her story of 
being abused growing up and and not knowing what to do with that. And I wanted to read how she closed this, where she says, part of why I waited so long to tell so many people, even those very close to me, is because I don't want to be defined by this any more than I want to only be defined by how well I play basketball. Both things are a part of me. They make me who I am. We are all a little more complicated than we might seem. And she talked about the person disturbing her sleep while she was growing up. And she ends her story and says, and now I can finally sleep. So it was really, really a compelling read. We'll include it in the show notes. But at least to a question for us as brothers of our sisters who may have gone through some of this and, and reading some of the Me Too hashtag stuff, what is our responsibility, Chris, as brothers, as fathers, we have daughters, um, to um, give voice to these women and also um, offer some level of support for them? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, lots of thoughts. Um, just uh, I thought you did a great job of summarizing the article. Um, but one thing that was really powerful. So every week we try to do something that is engages culture, engages sports, engages theology in the podcast, right? So typically we try not to choose things where everything is this heavy, but this is just where we've landed this week. Um, but one thing that was powerful in that was he says at first she just wanted to play basketball and her parents just wanted her to have something to do. But then she said after this that she needed basketball. And I thought that was such a, um, mm. a poignant part of the article. Um, now, as far as just uh, moving forward, I, I think you just have to read and be grieved, right? Um, that this isn't just even like the Me Too is mostly women, uh, but abuse isn't something that's just limited uh, to women. And uh, we grieve. I think it's the same thing, Jay Rich. At the end of the day, you have you have another podcast that you do that is super helpful that I would encourage everyone to check out, which I just happened to be listening to right before we got on. But just that idea of lament, this crying out uh, that this world isn't right. Like this isn't the way that God designed things to be like um, your power, especially in the movie industry. I think we saw a lot of the Me Too hashtags started because of what's going on in Hollywood with just the rampant tales of abuse of women there or child actors. It's just been horrible, um, but that's not what power is for. But only one person in history has um, been able to have all power but not abuse it. Uh, and so we grieve with people and we listen and we try to create safe spaces in our homes and in our churches uh, where people don't feel like they have to hide this forever. Um, where um, I, I imagine it's probably never easy to talk about but um just facilitating places where you can so ah yeah it's just it's a tough story kudos to her for opening up and being courageous to be that athlete to come out for the players tribune and kind of tell her story yeah it takes a ton of courage to um to come out and talk about something like that that's so private and so um horrific in details um, and for somebody with a platform like that to be able to do that, it takes a lot of courage to do that. So I would just add this. I mean, I I think the important thing for me to remember is continuing to 
give voice to those who feel like they don't have voice um, and to give platform to those who feel like they don't have platform and give them the opportunity to share this, um, share their brokenness in the midst of being um, abused or um, talked at or talked past. Um, no, I, here's the thing about my experience growing up as a as a, a young man. Like we would harass girls as young kids and thought it was funny, right? Um, not knowing what type of long term impact that could have had on on them. So, first of all, I, I realized that um, as fallen humans, we <laughs> are susceptible to doing that. Um, more than many men or women would say. And then, you know, there's this whole catcall movement where women are recording men doing catcalls on the street. It happens more in this culture than we think and we'd like to admit. So I think one of the things that we can do is kind of become advocates and then also um, call out other men when they do it, whether it be at the gym or somewhere else, and not just laugh it off as, I hate to say this, but locker room talk. You know what I mean? So, um, so I think those are a couple of ways that we can kind of help our sisters and anyone else, our brothers, um, who are experiencing this move through it. Yeah. And, um, I'm just reminded Jay Rich, uh, Jason, uh, the hip Christian hip hop artist, Jason, Jason Watson wrote a song called secrets and the song is powerful. And he wrote a secrets part two, and he talks about men who married women who were walking through this pain. And the video is super powerful. The video is both songs back to back, but they're in a marriage counseling thing. Um, and I do think there it's just finding the proper help um, for people is so helpful. And that's something else you can do too, is give people the tools to grieve properly and then um, give them all the tools they need to take that journey towards wholeness that this isn't the end of the story either and this isn't just like brianna said this isn't the end of your story and this isn't all that identifies you it is a part of your story um but just like the great things you do don't completely identify you uh the circumstances you've had that are hard aren't all that identify you either check out the video um, if this is your story um definitely um get help towards wholeness if you know people in this story, do what you can to be part of their um, journey towards wholeness as well. So Jay Rich, what up? a few weeks ago, we had just talked on the podcast some about John Piper writing an article talking about uh, Lecrae's departure from white evangelicalism and then a couple of follow-up articles, both in Christianity Today, that just kind of followed up on that notion uh more recently we've seen a couple of articles you and i've kind of had this dialogue ongoing outside of the podcast through text messages for a couple of weeks and um this week i forwarded you two messages or two uh blogs not really messages but blogs just saying like hey in the midst of being woke are we losing the gospel and so i thought each week we choose a theological question at the end and so this week i'm just asking you like how do we hold that tension between um being gospel centered and being woke and being um agents of ministers of reconciliation how do we work all of those things out all right let's be honest here man 
here's what prompted this. Okay, the wokeness of a group on Facebook <laughs> that went in on your boy, right? I think we're gonna link this article in the show notes by Daryl Harrison, right? Uh, who wrote about sort of this historical analysis of the gospel in the black church. So he started with Big Bethel AME in Atlanta, big moniker up top said, Jesus saves. And he basically says, hey, uh, for years, that will, those are the two words that that church lived by. But something happened over the years that moved us into kind of this social engagement, social justice space, right? So uh, here's what he writes in the article. He says, the truth is there is no gospel and conversely no church, regardless of ethnic composition or denominational affiliation, apart from the life-changing message that Jesus saved. And he says, it is that message which I fear is being lost in the midst of all of this social justice movement. Now, some people came for him, man, because you're not going to talk about our social justice movements. Came for him. <laughs> you're just not going to do it. I mean, um, so I, I think that there's, here's the thing, okay? Here's the tension for me, okay? I think people are talking past one another in this debate, quote unquote, because I know that people who are involved, who are Christian, involved in social justice are saying, hey, we're not losing the gospel. But then on the other side, I hear people saying, hey, because you're involved in social justice, you've lost the gospel or the primacy of the gospel, of the proclamation of the gospel. It has become second tier to what you're doing on the justice side. So I, I understand the pull and the tension. It's like a big tug of war that's going on, especially within the black church. And uh, Harrison tends to be on the side of gospel proclamation. And uh, other folks tend to be on the side of, hey, we need to cure these social ills. Um, and that is an implication of the gospel that can lead to gospel proclamation. This isn't new. <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun, okay? This isn't new in Black Christendom. It's something that's been happening for decades. And I think that it's just becoming illuminated because of the whole Lecrae thing. So I would say this, okay? I'm one of the guys who believes that they can live in this beautiful tension. Evangelism and justice need to be, as one of my colleagues puts it, two wings on the same plane. Without one, the plane crashes. So I don't think that you need to be an either or Christian when it comes to evangelism and justice. I think there needs to be a both and conversation that goes on. And I don't think that either side is getting it because they feel like the other side is missing something. What about you, Chris? Hey, that might have to be a sermon or a blog, Jay Rich. You may have to flesh that on out. That was pretty good there. Here's here's my thought. Like I see all of it. I'm with you where I'm kind of more of a both and guy. Um, on the one side, I can see the frustration of people who are saying like, hey, we still don't feel like our skin is being dignified by the white evangelical church. So let's sit down and talk. And then somebody writes down a blog. A lot of the stuff in the blog was stuff maybe I necessarily didn't have a problem with. I think the frustration of the pushback came from somebody saying, hey, this is just what 
um, our white evangelical brothers was waiting for someone to write so they could rally around this and say, it's the gospel, it's the gospel, it's the gospel. And maybe say, hey, we forgot about the conversations we came here to have. At the same time, like, I never want to get to a place in any type of wokeness where, like, we can't say, hey, is this being governed by the gospel still? Um, so good. That's good. So maybe, maybe, the, maybe the Apostle Paul would say to us, like, hey, if I'm the wokest of people but have not love, you see what I'm saying? Um, as we flesh that out. <laughs> That's great. Um, so we don't want to lose that, right? Um, and if we look at circumstances, both in society and inside of the church uh, that Black people have faced, even how the AME church started, right? Like there's, you can get embittered quickly or you can trace this narrative that says, yeah, like we want to like be just frustrated at white evangelicalism. But at the end of the day, um, the gospel doesn't belong to them. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't have its own culture, right? It's multicultural. There'll be a multicultural bride in heaven, which we're hoping to experience now, despite the challenges that we see. And so we don't want to miss it on either end. We don't want to hide behind the word gospel and not have those conversations where people are leaving the table not feeling like their dignity's intact. And yet we don't want to have um, a social gospel or a a social cause as the root, but as the fruit of the gospel, of the true gospel, right? So um, that's where it, it's been an interesting thing just trying to uh, keep up with it all. But uh, that's my heart behind it and my prayer is that we will see justice as a root of a just gospel. Uh, Amen. And the gospel continue to go forth. So I'm so glad we're both, both and Christians. And uh, my prayer is that we continue to move through this conversation to uh, affect real change in this world and bring heaven to earth um, as kingdom citizens. And in order to effectively do that, um, we definitely need gospel and we definitely need the pursuit of justice. All right, man, I want to just touch base with you and just see what you've been reading lately. Uh, we love to give our listeners some resources on some things that we've been reading. What's been in your Kindle or in your hands as a paperback book lately that you would commend to people or anything, any resource? So um, I'm still reading the Paul Tripp book and it has been great. And it's it's been nailing me on so many issues, Instruments in the Hands of the Redeemer. Um, but uh, there's a book by a gentleman named uh, Dan Allender, and I, the name of it escapes me. It's been a while since I read it, but it just talks about sexual trauma healing in the gospel. Uh, it's a great read. It's a uh, hmm. it's it's a book that I would recommend to anyone who was uh, just kind of listening to the podcast this week and saying, "Hey, that's my story." That that would be a great first place to start. So that'll be my book for this week. I've been reading. Brian Chapel's using illustrations to preach with power. I love preaching the gospel. Uh, I am not the best person using illustrations. I love word pictures, uh, but I'm definitely am looking to strengthen myself on the illustration side. And Brian Chapel is somebody I can respect because he basically wrote the Bible on gospel centered preaching. 
And so when I came across this book on using illustrations to preach with power, was excited about reading it and probably am about halfway through now. So, and I know you're about to say, hey, if you read more fiction, you might have more illustrations. Forget you, oh, Chris. Oh, wow. We must have been podcasting <laughs> for a long time, man, because that's exactly what I was thinking. I had two thoughts, though. Do you want to hear the other one? What is that? That surprises me that you would say that because I remember popping into part of your class at Legacy and seeing you use illustrations and literally seeing the class go wild as the like the Bible was opening up to them. I had to make sure I was in a Moody Bible Institute room because I felt like I was on the Emmaus Road uh, yeah. with Cleophas, yeah. man. So, so that surprises awesome. me. No, I mean, some passages are way harder than others. And I try to preach the whole counsel of God and not just do the the ones that are easy to illustrate. So some of them are definitely more difficult. I'm, and I'm continuing to find my voice. You can always use tools in the toolbox. So I love using illustrations. I think it's good to kind of bring points home. But sometimes it's a stretch for me. So, so yeah. Yeah, but I do remember that class. It was fun. Certainly was fun. Jay Rich, I, I would say this too, man. I grew up in a home where everything that I ever did in my whole life was a Bible illustration, no matter what I did. <laughs> my mom always said it was an illustration of something in the Bible. Everything. I mean, every single thing all the time. I could be drinking a mystic and it would be a, a Bible illustration. I'd be like, come on, Ma. Like, <laughs> right. But uh, that is literally how I grew up. So that's good, man. Having kids helps for sure. And it's been that is true. a so. great, great voyage. So. Definitely would commend that book. And you know we got to go to the closing shout-outs next. So you got a shout-out for us? I do, man. Um, so my shout-out is to this week, my man Jay Hart is getting back in his coaching saddle. I know this has been a very up-and-down uh, week for him. But um, I'm excited to see him with that coach's whistle around his neck again, getting ready to take over the Wilson Memorial boys basketball program and coaches first boys varsity basketball game of his career in the very near future. So my shout out goes to our former podcast homie and my former college teammate and one of my best friends in this entire world who I know is having a very up and down week. Um, love you, bro. And that's my shout out for this week, man. I ain't going to, I can't even have a shout out after that because I spent some time talking to Jay Hart on Friday, man. I, I missed that dude, man. I, I realized that after I talked to him, I was like, wow, man, uh, missed talking to you. But uh, definitely shout out to the homie as he gets back in his sweet spot. Uh, I know he loves coaching, and I think this is going to do good for his soul. And uh, he's a good dude. Love that guy. Even though he's a Lakers fan. <laughs> man that's, that's strange for us we ain't even hit on the hoops so at some point i got some questions for you but this week we had to take the conversation elsewhere yeah we had to go somewhere else man so next week hoops for sure right hoops for absolutely. sure absolutely Lord willing. all right that's been episode number 46 of the boxing run podcast thank you guys for joining us this go round. be sure to go over to itunes and subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating leave us a review Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Boxing One Podcast. And we look forward to seeing you guys next go round. Promise you we'll have some NBA stuff, Lord willing, as, as Chris said. We'll see you next go round. Peace out. <laughs>